I, uh, you know, sometimes you teach a, a passage or an idea or something. So many times you're not always sure exactly what you have or haven't said. And sometimes you give so many examples of your life over the years, you're not really sure what analogies you've used before or not. And I was trying to think, I, um, I don't know if any of you knew this, but I don't think I've used this before. I actually, I played Aladdin in a school play one time. This was years ago. This was my junior year. And I mean, like, I went full on in the outfit. It was like shirtless me with a little vest uh, and some baggy pants. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was also racist because I was like the only Middle Eastern kid in the school. So I'm sure there's something there that I was just allowing to happen. I don't really know exactly. But I know that I, I, was, uh, I was Aladdin. And it was just so funny, too, because uh, I, was, cause I was thinking about Aladdin yesterday. You know, my, my Charlotte loves Aladdin. We've been to the play. Thank you, Stacy. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, uh, we went to the to the Broadway. It was it was beautiful. I even like had the video game Aladdin growing up, and I was like, Aladdin's been in my life a lot over the years, and and maybe it was because you know being a brown skinned kid uh, in a pretty white world where I grew up, maybe I could just relate to him. I don't know. Um, all that being said, uh, I I started thinking about Aladdin. I started thinking about one of the things I always loved about Aladdin was that the dude had three wishes. Like three wishes, like, and um, and anything would happen with these three wishes. Like anything could change, and you know, uh, anything he could have with these three wishes, and just the power of it. Like boom, it would happen. And I, uh, I was thinking like how much I wanted that as a kid growing up. Like I just wanted my life, I wanted my circumstances. I wanted me, I wanted others, I wanted whatever, I just wanted it to happen. Like I, I remember I wanted to be, uh, <laughs> one of the earliest things I wanted to be was um, like a rock and roll star. No, that's what I would think about. I would, I would think about, uh, I did this regularly in the, in the evenings. I had my own um, boom box in my room, my little room. And I would listen to radio, the radio all all evening, uh, and I would just wait because, like Michael Jackson, I, I, you know, that was what one of my favorites. Or you know, I would listen, wait for Guns and Roses. I mean, I'm already off the map here, crazy as a kid, right? Like I'm waiting for these bands to show up, and so I can like press. You ever do this? Like especially if you're a Gen Xer and older like me, you may have done this. Like you wait for that moment on the radio, and then you press record because you got a blank tape. Because you're wanting to record that song because, like, you know, you can't go buy it at secular music. So I couldn't go buy it, but I had to, like, sneak it in. And, like, I'm trying to remember why even I'm telling you the story. Okay, so all that being said, like, I wanted to be, like, rock and roll star. I was really into it. I really, I really wanted to be someone that others thought was handsome or good-looking, uh, that girls would want to go out with me and not just avoid me, or I, I wanted to have friends, or I wanted to be really fit and in shape, or I wanted to be, you know, really good at sports, or whatever it may have been. There were all these little dreams I had as a child growing up, and um, 
you know, I want to be able to fit in and be cool. I mean, it didn't matter. The list goes on and on. And that just didn't end with my adolescence. That took me into my, my 20s. I, I wanted to be important. I wanted to have platform. I, I got married then, and I, I wanted oh, my wife to do what I wanted to or to think what I wanted to, or um, I wanted um, I wanted to be recognized and, and be really good at, at public speaking. Um, I wanted to be wealthy. I want to have a lot of followers on Instagram or, or Twitter. You know, there's so many things you look at and you're like, I just want that. I, I want something to happen. I want the change. And then eventually you get older and you're like, you're like, I just want to have, I want to have peace. I want to have self-confidence. I want to have less toxic shame and more of just myself and be present. Like the thing started shifting. Um, it was less about wanting to make it and more about just wanting to have a good life. And that's a long list of things I wanted, and maybe you can relate to that as well. A long list of things you've wanted since you were a kid and things that you just knew that one day maybe you were meant to have. And so then because of that, you just try to do whatever you got to do so you can be that person and how that lie fails us over and over again. At least it did for me. That I would see these things I thought I was meant to have, and I'm going to do whatever I got to do to to have them, and then be that person. And every year, as the years came and went, I found that I still was no more closer to that. And instead, I was more anxious and more afraid and more disrupted in my heart and my soul and my mind, um, and feeling more lost. And I say all that to go, sometimes this feels like if you could just have three wishes, everything would just be made better. <laughs> because we just want things to change. And, and here's the thing with Jesus that I find so interesting. Jesus actually guarantees change. He's, he said, you know, if you come to me, I'll give you rest. If you, if you walk with me, I'll give you life. Like, you'll get the things that you've always wanted to have. But it will cost you something. And that's really what it comes down to, right? It's like, how much are we willing to give up? Like, what are we willing to surrender? To have the thing that we always felt like we were meant to have. Because it isn't going to be doing more to get it. It's going to be surrendering more to get it. And that's what I was thinking about with this, with this passage that here's a, a person who, um, who realizes that there's something they really want. You know, it could be a, a, this, this field. It could be this pearl. Um, that one situation is they, 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 they bury the treasure in the field and then go sell all they have to come back and purchase the field. Or they realize that there's pearls and they want to do whatever they can to go get these pearls, to have these pearls, uh, because they found the pearl a great price. And I, I feel like that's kind of what a lot of life comes down to, right? Like when you finally realize there's the thing that you know that you're meant to have, it always comes with a cost of some sorts. Like if you want to have that waistline, then you're going to have to do the work around food. If you want to have the muscle mass, you've got to do the work around working out and, and weights. If you, if you want to have to be in a specific career, then you've got to do the work around that with the education. If you want to be with, in a particular kind of relationship, then you've got to do the work 
around that, that you can go for it and you can have it, but the question's going to be how much are you willing to surrender? And that's what I've been thinking about. The older I get, the more life is about what am I willing to surrender to have what I know that I'm meant to have. And, um, and that's the message that I want us all to be thinking about as individuals and a church. Like, what is it what is the life? And I don't mean like Joel Osteen, God wants to give you lots of money, whatever. I don't know if God wants to do that. I don't know if God's blessing on your life equals more Twitter followers or, you know, more uh, money in the bank. I don't really know. Maybe, maybe not. But I do know at the core, the kernel of those things you're looking for, maybe it's you're looking for deep acceptance or maybe you're le- looking for deep fulfillment. That's the part I know that's guaranteed that you can have. You can have the deep fulfillment and you can have the deep contentment, um, that you can have a deep sense of belonging regardless of what someone else thinks or says about you, that you can, you can have a healthy relationship, a healthier marriage, a more worthwhile life, and yet it will cost you something to get there. And we all like to think, I'll say this for me, I've always liked to think that I'll give up what i got to give up when the time comes. But how many times have I been in those moments throughout my life when I was like, ah, it's going to really cost me something. I don't know if I want to give that up yet. Which is okay. It's okay if you don't want to give that thing up yet. Like, you know, for some people, it may mean they have to give up, I don't know, drinking. Or they have to give up social media. Or they, not because those things are really bad, it's just, Maybe those things keep them from something. Maybe they have to give up a certain friendship that really is just toxic and brings them down. Maybe they have to give up a certain job that is, well, again, toxic and can bring them down. I don't know. There may be things you have to give up. There may be um, in, your, in your walk with Christ, in your relationship with God, just things you have to like be willing to do the work around and surrender so that God then can bring those things into your life. The problem is that God doesn't want to bring these things into our lives. The problem is we don't want to make room for those things that God can bring. And making room is a terribly hard, difficult, lonely, frustrating, scary thing. And so what is it that you, what is, what is it that you have to go for but you haven't found the courage yet to go for? That's what I want to ask you. What is it that you know that you're meant to be able to have, that peace, that fulfillment? Maybe it's around, I don't know, body image, and there's just so much toxicity around that that you can't stop. Well, what does it mean for you then to to do more work for that, to surrender more? Maybe it's it's the 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 shame around being a perfectionist, and you know that just kills you. It's actually not a benefit in your life because it just frays relationships around you and within, and within yourself. What's the work to do there? You know, for me, I realized when I, several years ago, I realized like, hey, I, I want more in life. And whatever I got to do to go get it and to have that, I want to do that. Now, I knew I couldn't do it all then. I knew it was going to be in increments and in spurts. Um, one thing I knew, I just... I wanted a church where we got to really um, embody the vision that we said we wanted to be about, a place to belong and a place to know God, that I really wanted a church where people could belong. Um, 
and where people over time could get, some, could get to know God. I also knew that it would be a sacrifice to get there because when you're really going to try to make room for people to belong, that means others aren't going to be comfortable with it. And that means others may not stay. Well, to me, that was a pearl of great price. That was something worth going for. And it was agonizing <laughs> um, and lonely. When I think about wanting to move to a church where um, truly anyone could sit at the top and lead the shape down, whether man or woman, I knew that that would be hard. And... Um, kept wanting just to like 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 I was tired of kicking the can down the road and and yet I also knew that when we stopped and we actually did something about it it would cost a lot but to me it was well worth it because it's created a more stable culture for our church and a more inviting atmosphere um because the thing is when you when you finally decide to sell what you have to get what you don't you're having to sell your comfort you're having to sell your sacred cows. You're having to sell life looking the way you want on your terms. That's what it means to surrender and to sell what we have. I think of the rich young ruler who later on after this passage, I think it's either, I think it's Matthew 18. I could be confused and it could be Luke 18. But when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he goes, I've learned all these things. I've applied all these laws into my life. I'm ready to follow you. And Jesus says, there's one more thing. Sell what you have to get what you don't have. And he couldn't do it. He just walked away. It said, very sad. And I don't think down or bad about the rich young ruler. I think if I would have had as much as he had, it would have been really hard for me to do that as well. The question is, do you just really want it? Or do you want more the comfort you have right now? Do you really want it? Or do you want more like the kind of sacred cows and the views that you have, the way that you want them, or the life that you want and you expect. So many of us are afraid, I know I've been, afraid of letting go of the way that life is supposed to look. I'm not supposed to, I'll tell you this 10 years ago, I'm not supposed to be 40 and stepping down or and retiring from pastoring. That's not the way it's supposed to look. Never in the plans. <laughs> you know, like... I wasn't thinking like, oh, when I finally get to 40 and get pretty competent at something, I think I'm just going to like put that one down. No, I, I came to that place personally because I was asking myself this question over the last few years. What is it that I want and what will I then have to sell and surrender to go get what I want? Even though what I'm selling and surrendering is good, maybe it's something that's brought me a lot of joy or happiness, but because I want more, I got to go for it for my personal life, for my marriage, with my family, in my professional life, whatever it may be. But it means it's going to cost comfort. It's going to cost the sacred things that I thought I had to have on my terms. It's going to cost my expectations and my control. And what's crazy is that this other thing that we don't yet have, this peace and clarity that we've always wanted, this change, here's what's interesting. It's actually always been ours for the taking. It's not something that we just thought like, well, maybe one day if I'm really lucky. It's like the way that Scripture sees it, whatever it is that you think that you are meant to have actually has always been yours. It's just a matter of what you want to do to go get it. And it's so funny. I almost jumped out of my seat when Jamin was using um, 1 Corinthians 3, 
and he explained it he explained it well of that there's this tension happening in the local church in Corinth around do we want do we want like is it Paul or Apollos like who's the one kind of bringing bringing the direction and they're bringing the life that we want and um um, there was almost a scarce mindset people were having. Like, if I don't have Paul, then what will I have? Or if I don't have Apollos, or and this bickering and in turn comparing with one another. And there was a whole dysfunction happening with the church. But there's a um, at the end of that 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 conversation discourse, Paul says uh, four words. Maybe it was more words in the Greek. I can't remember. But four words we would translate in English that for the last three years, I could not quit thinking about. And I don't even know if I've taught on this before. But he says, after he finishes all these things in verse 21, he says to them, listen, all things are yours. All things are yours. And that's really stuck with me. Because I didn't grow up thinking all things were mine. I just thought that I lost out on a lot of things in life. I didn't think I could have more than what I had. I didn't think that all things were mine, that I could have the connection and the intimacy and the relationships that I always longed for. I didn't know that all things were mine. I I didn't know that I could have more fulfillment and peace within myself, Um, more even accomplishment in what I wanted to see happen with my life outside of myself with other people. I didn't realize that all things could be mine. And it's really these little four words, it's just a short little part in a, in a discourse that you could easily miss that if you look at it long enough, it kind of messes with you. Because that's not how, that's not how many times in the church we've, we, what we've been taught. If anything, we've been taught something else, and that is, you know what God wants you to do with a lot less than what you want. And only then will you be okay. But then if we look at those parables of the kingdom, the way the kingdom works, the kingdom isn't saying give up and never have. It's saying give up so you, you can have. The kingdom isn't saying like just suffer and sacrifice and never have any joy or fulfillment in life. It says no, suffer sacrifice so that you can actually have more. So redemptive, something redemptive can happen in your life. All things are yours. And I was even thinking about this with growing up as a, you know, as a kid. There, it's easy to have a scarce mindset. I, I remember, um, like, being afraid of playing with my toys uh, or other people having my toys. Uh, I had cousins and whatnot because, I, you know, I want to have my toys. And it's just a normal thing for a lot of kids to, to have that, that tension. But to go, what if your mindset is what, whatever you both have and whatever you don't have that you can have one day, all things are yours. I wonder what kind of mindset that would create in a person if they didn't have a scarce mindset. But a mindset that like the thing that you want, like the, the fulfillment and a job that you want, you can have that. All things are yours. That depth in a marriage where you can actually be in a room with another person and not try to manage them or, or be in fights with them or uh, keep confusing intensity, intensity for intimacy and actually have a deeper connection, like that can be yours. All things are yours. 
those friendships that are truly deep and fulfilling. All things are yours. Um, I don't know about maybe the details of it. Um, I know maybe if you were someone who wanted to have kids and you can't. Well, if you hold on to the expectations of that, that might keep you from it. But if you allow it to come into your life, however it may be, whether through adoption or other ways, all things can be yours. Like all things are yours. And so what I'm saying is, is that are you going to have a job that pays well and you get the notoriety? No. But what you can have are those things that come really at the, at the heart of it all, that, that you want to feel like you're doing something important in this world. All things are yours. And when I start thinking about, and if you'll start thinking about the kind of secure person, like the kind of secure person that mindset makes one, it becomes really attractive. Like, insecure, crazy people aren't interesting. <laughs> like, they're interesting briefly. Like, Kanye's interesting briefly, right? And then it kind of wears off. Because then you're like, oh, man, this is a lot. You know, someone like, um, like President Trump is interesting briefly, and you're like, nope, that's, that's a lot. Like, it's really the secure people that you go, there's something there I want so bad. Like, there's something at their core I want so bad. And that's what I want for me. That's what I want for you as a person. And that's what I want for this church. I want this church to be able to believe that all things are theirs. It's just a matter of how much they're willing to surrender. That I want this church to continue being willing to surrender what they have to get what they don't have so that they can then be the kind of church in this city that truly is attractive. That it isn't, it isn't, and the success isn't like, well, do we have more nickels and noses, more people, more money? Do we have, you know, higher ROI of conversion rate of people? <laughs> Who cares? The question is, is this church inspiring? Is this church so secure at her core that people look at it and go, man, things are happening there, and I just want to go near it? Because they're giving out free stuff. They're giving out love and harmony and justice and mercy. They're giving out perspective. It's just coming out of their pockets because these people are willing to go for something that's just beyond what's just in front of them that they need to, like, scarcely hold on to. Will this be that kind of church? I think it's been becoming that kind of church, and I think there's more for it to go for because all things are yours because the pearl is worth selling everything for to go get. And a church is made up of individuals. Will you as a person be willing to first practice that there in your life, in your interior, in your marriage, with your children, in your sphere of influence, how much are you willing to go for in life? What are you willing to surrender so that you can go have more of the thing that you were meant to have? I think if the mindset is all things are yours, you'll find that you can do it in a non-anxious way in the midst of liminal moments. And gosh, that is attractive. <laughs> That's what I want for this church. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for you as a person. And I'm so proud of what I've seen here. I've seen a, a people, a church, individuals go for it. And I want you to know I've loved watching it every step of the way. I've loved um, 
being your pastor, being a pastor here. And um, I'm going to miss this. I'm going to miss getting to, to play this kind of part and role in this church's life and in, in your lives. And yet I'm so happy for me that I've realized, hey, there's more to go for. And I'm so happy for you all that there's more for you to go for. There's things to sell so that you can go get it because you deserve it. You aren't owed it, but you deserve it because all things are yours. So thank you. Thank you for letting me lead and pastor. Um, thank you for all those who, who stuck with us along the way because, yeah, we sure aren't where we were, um, and we aren't yet where we will be, but where we are is pretty special. And that's made up of very special people. So, I love you all. Yeah. along with his family, um, his two daughters, and, and Suzanne. I pray that you would um, give them uh, clarity in what that means as they continue to step into uh, what does life looks, look like outside of Robin being a pastor. So those things that, that he just taught us about, and that he said that he wanted for himself and that he's pursuing. I pray that you would just increase um, that faith and that courage and that trust in you and in those you have put around him. And so we pray this blessing. We love Robin. We love Suzanne. We love their family. And um, we just ask uh, that you would guide their steps and that we would get the privilege of seeing some of what that looks like as the kingdom of heaven continues to expand in his life and in their life and that we would all get to catch up to this amazing idea that all things are ours. Amen. Amen.